And when you get to that point where you're like, wait, wait, whoa, whoa, what, what week was it? And you, you start getting kind of, I guess, a little bit out of mind, a little chaotic in your mind, and you can't really start counting these things. It's like everything just blends together after, like, I think week six. Kind of. And then, and then on top of that, you have, like, all this stuff that's kind of going down that makes yeah. it really hard to just focus We've, I, I think we're starting to break down a little bit. We were, we felt fresh up until maybe like a week or maybe two weeks ago, but now we're starting to uh, feel a little heavier in the mind, mentally at least. You know, I will agree with that. But one, two things. One, I'm glad spring break is coming up for us in next week. Yes, that mm -hmm. is well needed and well deserved. I think. Hundred percent. Two, this week was actually really good for me in terms of like my mental state i guess you could say it was i don't know if you've ever experienced this it was one of those weeks where you're like really proud of the the work that you put in and the work you do and like you feel really comfortable as as you are in your degree i don't know if you ever get that experience i get that sometimes i think i understand where you're coming from i mean you you've been working on a piece of you know code that's I, I, does that have to do with the rewarding aspect I, I think that's, you know, it could be part of it. And it, for some, you know, that code might be pretty simple. Uh, but, you know, yeah, I, I definitely think that's part of it. You know, other things, the, we got the projects that we work on. So I think that's part of it too. Oh, yeah, I agree. And that's been really rewarding as of lately. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, hopefully it continues to do so, but or to be rewarding. And, and, you know, we're just going through it. We're plowing down these tests, quizzes. We're doing good, it seems. Hopefully that remains true. Yes, hopefully. So, I'm happy, yeah. man. I'm feeling good. I'm glad hey, to be here. Well, then cheers to you, man. How about you? You know what? You're right. You're right. <laughs> cheers to you, man. I, I'm still, I got some emotional scarring from when this, can you guys hear that? When this beer spilled on me last time. That's so, <laughs> uh, I'm surprised that you get emotional scarring from, oh, it's a stout. It is a stout today. Ooh, I see. We got Yeti, the Great Divide wow. Yeti, Imperial Stout. I see. It looks I've only had I've only had like three stouts in my life. I see. Yeah. Stouts are not 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 too bad, not too shabby at all. You know. But I'm I'm surprised that you have uh I guess scarring from scarring from a beer, but you you, you don't seem to have much scarring from engineering. <laughs> I mean, we get through it, right? I, I guess I do. I just suppress that deeper. Oh, have you ha I mean I, this is getting off topic, but have you ever had a nightmare about doing poorly on a test or missing like you're supposed yes. to be taking a test, but you know, you did end up taking it cause you were late to school. It's like that. I had a, I think it was a dream. Um, I want to say it was a couple of months ago too. <laughs> and I don't remember what class it was, but I remember I, in my dream, I, I had failed the class and it was literally a nightmare. I woke up like, like profusely sweating. <laughs> and I was like, my heart was racing. And then the next day, I woke up and then uh, the next day, you know, when you wake up from like a, uh, the ne that night and you're like, was that a dream or was that real? I had that, <laughs> I had that moment. So I, I kind of panicked, but you know, it was just a dream. Everything's okay. I didn't fail the class. 
That's so funny. I think for me, it wasn't necessarily me going into class because I was already in class. And one of our classes, um, we, we both took it. It was a dynamics class and you had to take the test on the computer in school. That's so awful. it was like, it was, it was in a lab, a computer lab. And then we had to take it there. And basically you have to put in these numbers as your answers. And if your numbers are wrong, then you get it a hundred percent wrong. There's yeah. no partial credit. And I remember, I, I think for some reason you had to submit all the answers at once and I submitted it. It was a zero out of like zero out of 80 points. And I was like, Oh my gosh, I'm dropping aerospace right now. But and that was, that was a dream. <laughs> yes, it was a dream, obviously. Uh, thankfully. Thankfully, I passed dynamics. I think the worst grade I got on dynamics was admittedly like a 25 out of 80. That class was, I, I to this day, I know we talked about it. I, I still say to this day, it's the hardest class I've ever, and I was actually discussing with my girlfriend earlier because, you know, as we were talking about, I, I'm considering going into a master's program at some point. And right. basically the entire emphasis of, this program is heavily rooted in dynamics. And I was like, man, for somebody that hates dy dynamics as much as I do, going into this program seems like a lot of fun. So we'll see how that pans out for me in the future. We'll see how it pans out. I mean, you know, this is kind of getting into a different territory, but you like or, you know, don't like a class dependent on also the professor, not just very the material. True. So very true. That, that's definitely another, you know, topic that we could talk about in a future episode. But what are we talking about today, man? So our, as of right now, currently our most enjoyed, most watched, most viewed episode is engineering school myths. So we wanted to follow that up with engineering school truths. Yeah. What do you think about that? Yeah, no, I, I'm, I mean, we already discussed whether or not this was a good idea and I entirely agree with you. I think the premise behind it is there are certain myths that you hear from engineering students, maybe from other people that were in engineering um, and dropped out, or maybe people that have already, you know, passed and you know, got their degree and are in the, in the field and also from teachers, right? Teachers or professors. And there's these certain things that you hear. And some of them are definitely myths. Those are things that don't happen either in the school area or in industry, right? But there are some things that they do say that are actually true like F is equal to MA. So we thought that we'd just go over a bunch of equations with you. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> no, um, this time around, we're, you know, we can't take everything that our professors say 100%. We can't, we can't take everything that the students say 100%. But there are some things that, you know, I would say most things, but there are certain things that you hear that you quickly dismiss as an engineering student, or some things that you hear that, you know, yeah, I, I guess that it is. It, it is that, right? Like you dismiss it, but we wanted to re-emphasize and show the importance that these are actual truths and don't dismiss them to be myths. Right? Yes, I agree. Yeah. yeah. So you, I don't know. Is there anything else you want to add on to that? No, I think we could get right into it. And I'll, I'll actually start because this first <laughs> one is my favorite because you are, you are an offender. You are an a <laughs> offender of this. I'm getting better at it. Okay. Just, yeah, no, you, you, just you expose are. me. Just you expose are. me on what I'm not good at. And and tell everybody <laughs> that I'm a hypocrite because I, I'm so I'm so passionate about this right now. I'm not drinking my water. I took pause from drinking my water, but I'm the one that recommended this one. You did. So I am definitely a hypocrite to this. So tell everybody, expose how bad of an engineering student I am. Tell them what it is, man. So when I was in JC, my professor 
Dr. B, shout out to Dr. B, would always say, you have to use your units, show your units, <laughs> use your units. And when we say units, we mean like pounds, kilograms, hertz, whatever it is, you know, the, the units that are included in that and the base units included in that problem. Uh-huh. And my professor would always say, carry them throughout the entire problem. And I was, I was a bad student at the time, like we said um, in, a, in another episode, and I didn't have good study habits. And admittedly, a lot of the things in physics I was seeing, you know, maybe for the first time, or it was still fresh to me. So I didn't fully understand things. And I didn't have that muscle memory down to carry units through the entire problem. Mm-hmm. But now you are a, you are, you, you know, firsthand, I carry units and everything, oh, even, everything. even in step, you're like, we'll be working on something. You're like, dude, what are you doing? And I'm like, oh, my bad. I'm off on the side, just doing some unit checks. Right. And to make sure everything works out. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that is the big, if, if you learn nothing from this podcast, if you're about to turn this episode off, that's fine. Just carry your units next time you do a problem. <laughs> Yeah, I, I and I entirely agree with you because there, there, this is multifaceted. There's a lot of reasons why you want to carry units. One, this is something that you'll probably hear a lot. It's if you don't put your units down, let's say for a test, you'll you'll get a little comment on the side from the professor saying, "What, like what for what, four four pounds, four cats, four apples, four miles? Like, tell me what it is, right?" And that's something that you know. Yes, it's it's a means of communication to communicate what unit you're talking about. And yes, it, it may seem pretty obvious, but you know, for some people that may not be the case, or it's just, it, it's a good habit to communicate that kind of unit. But also when you're carrying units throughout a problem, um, it, it's a means of double checking, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Cause if your final answer is supposed to be in, we'll say it's supposed to be speed, which is like miles per hour, or it could be meters per second squared or no, oh, Oh, see, you made a see, unit the, mistake right there. I made a unit mistake right there. So it shows, it shows I, I'm still working on it. Right. But meters per second, uh, and you get something off like meters per second squared, right. Then, then you, you need to fix that. Right. There might be something wrong or it could be something even more severe than that. And so it's, it's a means of double checking your work and it might be handy, especially if you're, you know, taking a test and your units don't check out and you have the time to be able to redo your work. Then you could redo it and, you know, you get a hundred percent as opposed to not getting the hundred percent because your units didn't check out. I agree. I think I left the units off of one of my first structures tests. And that was the reason I actually got docked. Well, that was like the only thing I think I missed on, on one of the tests. And I was pretty mad because that was like, that was my hundred, just like you said, but, um, uh, on a more recent experience, that code that you actually talked about that I was working on pretty much all of this week. Um, I had written that code and prior to, I, I ran it and I was getting values that just didn't see, I was like, something's wrong here. This doesn't make right. sense. So I, I wrote out every step of my code in, you know, on, on paper and plain English. And I Crazy. checked all my units and I realized that I had it a huge error and it was uh, causing a massive miscalculation. And I fixed that and I got values that I think are right now. I don't know if they're right, but I think they are. So that's good. Right. Right. I mean, but that's the, that's the whole point, right? I mean, in terms of coding, that's what it's supposed to do. You're supposed to theoretically pull up something and then you can test it out in real life. But yes, overall, the conclusion is units definitely matter and they will not only matter now in, you know, in, in school time or, but they're also going to matter later on down the road in career as well. 
I agree. Is what I strongly would believe in at least. Yeah, I wouldn't like, I think I've said this before too. I wouldn't want to be the engineer that's working on a project that's like, you know, put off for five years and then you pull somebody's analysis and you realize that none of their work has any units or it doesn't have any substantial flow to it. Right. Like just imagine if that was you, you wouldn't want to be that person. So don't be that person. And not only that, but you know, units, units were a reason why one of our Mars missions failed, right? Straight into Mars, man. Yeah. Straight up, you know, and, and, and. I'm sorry, guys, but us Americans really love our American units, Imperial units. But I have a, a massive reverence. <laughs> Andrew, what was that, man? That was a straight trash. That was a garbage ball. I threw it in the trash because American units are horrendous. Oh, except I mean, we, for we know it. But that's yeah. the only reason I like them is because we understand them and we're able to, I guess, conceptualize them. Like, hey. Yeah. But other than that, just throw them in the trash. Okay, fine, fine. Yeah, I mean, SI units, I think are, I have a massive reverence for, for SI units. And I think they're a lot more convenient. Um, something I do is I power lift and I power lift only in SI units. So I know oh, you how psychopath, I pull, I know, like, I'll, like, oh, I pull like 130 kilograms. Like, I, I don't know how much I pull in pounds anymore. Dang, but, man, you, you just flexed on everybody out there listening no right that's now. lightweight that's lightweight guys I, I, i'm getting my numbers i just started recently it's a hobby of mine but yes um, send johnny your numbers let him know what no, he's competing don't, against don't please please don't i i i, I mean unless you want to humble me and push me towards <laughs> being a better person but yes units matter i i extremely a strong believer in it i am one that's transitioning towards it um professors if you guys are listening please give me grace and mercy. <laughs> but yes, I am learning. I am a learning student. And this is something that I am struggling with. And I am trying to transition and adapt and adopt on my own as well. Agreed. All right. My voice cracked. Let's move on to the second one. You could, you could, you could do this one. Let's hear what you have to say. All right. So it's kind of something like units. Yeah. They're tied it, hand in hand, right? A little bit. A little bit yeah. I mean, some of these are, are tied hand in hand, and it has a lot to do with what engineers do in industry. Uh, be, that's what matters. It doesn't matter what you do in school in terms of the problems that you do. That it, It's how you present those problems, and, and that is a good practice to have because that is what it really is going to be done in industry. So following all of that, basically, sig figs matter. Significant figures matter. And to be honest, I didn't learn this in an engineering course, nor did I learn this in a physics course. I actually learned it in a chemistry class. However, I strongly believe that sig figs matter and the reasoning behind it, in my opinion, and Andrew, if you have something else that you want to add on to it, I, I, I think you very much should. Um, but sig figs introduce in, when you have too many significant figures, you introduce an error. You're, you're, you're providing too much confidence when you have too little sig figs and you're, you're rounding and you're, you're becoming too much of a, I guess you're, you're not showing enough confidence in your numbers and you want to be as accurate as possible, but not seem too accurate. I don't know if that's the best way to put it. Maybe Andrew, you could put it a better way than I can. Uh, that, that makes sense. I actually, I think I'm an offender of this one. Mm-hmm. I typically just like, I, I typically round off to three or four significant figures. Mm-hmm. Um, but I actually, for a really long time, because we were in, in our structural structures class, I, I liked the way that we did sig figs in structures. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, there is a right way and a wrong way to do things. And right. 
this will be debated between all people, I think. But yeah, I too learned um, sig figs in chemistry, I believe it was. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, I basically exactly what you said is it's a way of you, you can't have greater accuracy than your lowest or your or your smallest least accurate. Right. right, exactly. That's a great yeah. way to explain it. So you can't have more accuracy than your least accurate um, unit or whatever, or not unit, number, measurement, whatever it is. And so basically, you, you're, the idea is you're supposed to take that least accurate measurement as your new significant figures. But I will admit I'm a, an offender of that. And I, I don't always follow that. What about you? Right. No, I mean, I, I, I can't blame you for doing that. I don't always follow it either. But it's because our professors don't have that expectation out of us. But this is something that I've personally heard from people I know in the industry that say sig figs do matter. And these, these, these folks told me, and maybe this is not every single company, so I can't really be 100% confident say every single company is like this. But the people that I do know that work in their respective companies, they say that sig figs do matter. And they even recited the rules to me of how the sig figs are done. And if they really? can say that in industry, right? If they can say that in industry, then that must mean that it's pretty important. It's not like other other things that we hear um, in class that we hear are important. Those are engineering school myths. No, these are engineering school truths. And in this <laughs> case, um, what is repeated in industry and has been taught to us in school is something quite important. And those rules are very important in what, at least from my experience and the people around me and the sphere of influence around me, I guess. Yeah. I'd agree. Um, I, I think that's definitely something that I need to work on. Mm-hmm. Uh, I typically, like I said, I'll, I'll, I'll occasionally leave on two, I'll do two or three. Sometimes I'll even tack on too much, especially if you're doing stuff like MATLAB. It's so easy just, you know, to, to carry an, an immense amount of sync figs. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, when you have the luxury for it, then you should, but then at the way end, you should lop off the excess numbers. Agreed. Right. So, Check your check your sig figs beeps. That's all we're saying. Yes, sir. All right. So this one kind of goes, you know, it can go pretty far in, but we'll we'll, we'll try to keep it surface level, uh, unless you want to go any further. But what is the next one, Mister Diamond? So this will be, I think, another one of those hotly debated topics. But I think that mean you could both agree that the amount of knowledge that we've gained from our projects outside of the classroom and even, you know, sometimes outside of school as well has pretty much surpassed, I would say almost all the knowledge that we gain inside school and the classroom. Mm-hmm. Like you learn so much. So, so the truth is basically you learn way more outside of the classroom in projects than you do inside the class. And, and you get to, the reason for that is basically because you get to apply principles that you learn in class, but now instead of these idealized cases or book problems that you're, you know, using or determining, you're applying it to these real world scenarios sometimes, oftentimes, and mm-hmm. not, you know, Johnny, not everything in the world is ideal, right? In fact, most Agreed. things in the world are, are not ideal. Agreed. You said it yourself before that basically we're idealizing all these systems and, you know, these ideal cases almost never present, never present themselves in, in real life, right? Right, right. So I mean, yeah, I, I entirely agree with you. You learn way more outside of the classroom than inside a classroom, and this is ba- this is why I don't I don't know if other majors do this, 
but I know that a lot of engineering majors, they have something called a capstone project or a senior project, or in our case, we call it senior design. And we implement everything that we learn in the classroom as a project. So now we need to learn everything that we've learned through our classrooms that we've been for whichever amount of years you've been in school for. Now we need to apply it inside of a, to a working system. Essentially, that's what it is, right? And yes, that could be outside of engineering as well. Um, I, I don't know other majors that do that. And then on top of that, we also do that a lot also in, in our respective project outside of like school in general with whether it be competitions, right? Or it can be something that maybe is being funded by one of these companies. Uh, big companies for us would be the big three, Boeing, Lockheed, and Northrop. So those are all ways that we are able to learn outside of the classroom and are, I feel like, are exponentially a lot more, what, what would I say? It, I think it kind of teaches these intangibles as well. I don't know if that makes any sense, but it gives you that engineering sense that we always talk about, which yeah. you can't really get inside the classroom. Because yes, I can imagine airflow over a wing and then the separation of airflow, right? But when I see it happen, when I'm actually seeing that actually happen and the results of it, then I'm like, oh, okay. It, there's like a different kind of click that happens. So you'd have to, you, you don't have to imagine it anymore. You, you actually see it happen. You're like, yeah, let's not make that happen next time. And not only that, but in a lot of the times in these problems that we analyze in school or in like book problems, let's say, um, and this is probably specific to undergrad because I don't know, I, you know, I don't know what goes on in graduate school. I'm sure the problems are much more involved, I guess you could call it, but mm -hmm. in the, in the problems that we're doing in school and book problems, whatever book it is, there's usually like a, an analysis of a particular problem going on, but right. oftentimes, you know, in the real world, multiple things are happening at once in a mm -hmm. given system. And so you right. have to analyze it. And, and, you know, a lot of times those problems are that phenomenon, they're interacting with each other. Right. So what effect does this have on the other thing and how does that affect our system? And, and how do we like, if it's, you know, something wrong, how do we mitigate that issue or whatever it is? Right. 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 And yeah, that that's a great point. The, the air vehicle, or I'm sorry, capstone project, we learn, we take an entire year of basically how to create some sort of vehicle for you. It's, you know, you're trying to create an air vehicle. Right. So next year, Johnny will be creating a preliminary design. Johnny and, and, and his team will be creating a preliminary design for an air vehicle of some sort. We don't know yet what it is, but Johnny will be, you know, analyzing this airplane under regular flight conditions. I'm sure all, all kinds of flight conditions, right. low, uh, takeoff, cruise, landing, uh, turbulence, all kinds of different situations and scenarios. So um, he'll have to analyze that in depth and verify and make sure that that plane is basically airworthy and can fly and, and, you know, finish its mission. Right. 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 Yeah. And I mean, that's, I mean, th th I think that's why it's there because as much as we may know our school knowledge and th that that's really, it's kind of fickle in comparison to actually having the ability to apply it. And this is kind of where it goes beyond just being school smart. I think dare I say there might be something like an engineering smart, like, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, maybe it might make sense to do something a certain way according to how the school taught us. But we know in real life when applied, it's like, that's too ideal. That and that's not work. something, exactly. Right. And so 
that's kind of why our school, I think, does a capstone project. It's good for us because we get exposure to present presentations and and we also get to, you know, talk to people in Northrop or Boeing or, or NASA or whichever company that's listening to us. But also we actually get the ability to, I guess, practice the muscles of actual practical engineering, right. not just theoretical. And for those of you that don't know, so our school, typically, from my knowledge, at least, uh, capstone is used, like the term capstone is used all over the nation. And for us, it actually means something different than what I've typically heard. So at our school, we do a capstone project, which is called senior design. And then we also do a senior project, which is just known as a senior project. But I've heard of some, um, at some times, people calling their capstone project and it, sound, it aligns a lot with what our senior project is. So our senior project is basically a year-long involvement in some sort of project. And it typically involves a lot of research. And it does involve uh, some, usually some sort of design aspects as well. But the design is, is something I've heard, you know, and I've not, ta- I've not talked to tons of people about it. But I've only heard of our school offering design. Oh. And I'm sure it's out there as well. Um, I just don't know where. But that is a totally different project where you're not designing a small project. You're actually delivering basically a whole system. And it's a real, for Johnny, like I said, air vehicle. For me, it could be launch vehicle or space vehicle. So right. it, it's very involved. And if you like, if you guys are interested, that's like a whole episode on, of it on its own, right? Right, right. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I, I like it. I like it the way it is at our school. Hopefully other schools are doing that too. Yeah. Um, Basically, yeah. what we're trying to say is you learn more, get out, get involved, jump on a project if you can. It, it, you will not regret it. Yeah. And, I and, mean, you and, might with the workload, but, you know, you'll learn a lot. So Yeah. And you, you may learn something in that project even before you learn it in the classroom, which would help you a lot immensely, like in the classroom. Because yes, you I have agree. seen those, those kinds of things happen before you even learned it theoretically instead of the other way around. Yeah. But yeah. Sure. Is there anything else you want to add on to that one? I think we're good on that one, sir. All right, for sure. All right. So what is another engineering school truth, Andrew Diamond, that you would like to enlighten us with? So back, I'm going to take us back to my physics class again with Dr. B. Okay. I remember, I remember I was in physics lab with him and we had a, he, you know, he was the only physics professor at our school. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we had a really like, I guess you could call it loose physics experience where we would, you know, go to collect lecture, go to lab, but our lab wasn't formal in any way, shape or form. Like we would do our lab and we would carry it out and, you know, collect data, whatever we could do. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't like we didn't, you know, have to type up our reports. We wouldn't have to do anything like that. Uh, but he, he would constantly re-emphasize that like once we transfer, once we get to JC, or I mean, once we get out of JC, that mm-hmm. we would have to make up these really formal lab reports and really formal documentation, you know, that includes a cover page, table of contents, list of figures, et cetera, et cetera. And we'd have to document every portion of our work. And that has held true ever since my first semester at Cal Poly. And he was right. As far as I know, every major college university, your documentation, turning it in has to be on point. I feel like there's some professors in our school hold us especially high in that, in that regard, in that standard, because they, they see us as like, 
the cream of the crop in some instances. So we have to really, you know, document our work phenomenally, phenomenally, basically. Mm-hmm. And, and you could get nickel, basically nickel and dimed on your points. Oh yeah. If you don't do it properly. Right. And do, I mean, you agree, right? I, I 100% agree on that. I think we definitely do get nickeled and dimed. And sometimes I find myself complaining, but because I, I understand that we're supposed to be tested on our, or not necessarily tested, but we should be graded on the substance of our work, not necessarily the formatting, but it, it is vetting us for industry in a sense. And our professors do hold us to a certain standard because the the name of our university, Cal Poly Pomona, is in our in our area pretty, I want to say prestigious. And it definitely does not hold, you know, a candle to certain universities out there, but it, it still is a prestigious university. And so we always hear good things from people that are in an in industry about Cal Poly Pomona students. There's, a, I've, I've talked to a couple of people like, yeah, Cal Poly Pomona students are great. And so that's kind of what, that's, that's the reason we get nickel and dimed. And I have to, have to, I have to agree our report, our reports, everything that we do, it was nothing like I did in, in JC In JC. I don't think I really recall putting up any reports at all. A lot of it was data collection and then maybe answering questions from that lab report, like, okay, so what did you notice? And then you just answer those questions, but the lab write-up itself wasn't necessarily something that we did. Um, but coming into university now, we're expected to follow formatting. We're expected to, like, we're even told which fonts to use and what, what spacing, how to do our headers, how to do our figures, where to put them exactly, uh, and things like that. And sometimes we're even told how many pictures to put on a report which sounds absurd. Right. And we, we get docked off if we don't do those things. And they're like really, I guess, small details that you would think are absolutely unnecessary, but I've heard of some stories out there in industry where if you have the wrong colored theme on your, in your presentation, then the company really has a problem with that. Yeah. I, I, I would tend to agree. I actually heard from one of our professors that if you don't, for, so for NASA, and obviously this is like a really serious um, process that takes place, but if you deliver a, a, a PDR, preliminary design review to NASA and you don't follow because NASA has a very specific format out uh, that is not typical of other aerospace engineering um, companies. Mm-hmm. If you do not follow the exact same format, they will, you know, send it back and say it has to be in this format. And and there, I, I do understand why, right? If they're looking for a really specific thing and they're in a meeting and, you know, they should say, somebody asks a question and they say, oh, that should be in, you know, section 3.5. And they go to section 3.5 and they're like, oh, what is this? You know, you don't know. And of course you could check the table of contents, of course, but you know, the, the, there is a lot going on. So I could understand the want for having it in a very standardized format. That's the reason why standards of certain things were invented, right? Right, right. And it, it just helps keep everything a lot more cohesive. Nobody has to do it really guessing, but they'll, they'll know exactly where to look or they'll, they're know, they know exactly what they're going to be getting. And right. so I, I understand entirely from that perspective as well. But yeah, in, in general, I mean, reports, documentation, all that is extremely important because a lot of what I believe engineering people do or engineers do is they're going to be collecting data or they're going to be doing some sort of design and then they now need to prove why what they did or what they came to the conclusion of is what they did. And all of this stuff has to do with either documentations 
or formatting the documents in a certain manner. And this even goes back to what we just talked about, you know, probably like 10, 20 minutes ago about units and sig figs that has to do with formatting and documentation as well. Um, a lot of the stuff that engineering people do, people that are in engineering, they basically write all this stuff out and it becomes documentation for the future so that either one, people can reference back on it or two, it can be used as proof that they produced a product that is now money. So everything that you guys write out in the future as engineers is going to be dollars for those companies. So it's extremely important that this stuff is done in a certain manner, that it's documented and organized in a, in a good manner, because that's what basically helps the company either be more efficient or it helps, you know, prove proof of ownership of a, a certain idea or, you know, something along the lines of that. So basically it, it helps save money for the company or, or generates money for the company. And so, and, and, and for us right now as students, it generates points, which gets us better grades. <laughs> so yeah, um, this stuff is extremely important. Um, it's something that though seems minuscule has meaning behind it. And so I, I find it extremely tedious and annoying at times because we just recently went through a project, actually, Andrew, you and I, and the project itself is relatively easy, but ensuring that we went through with the right steps, following the correct formatting took up a predominant amount of the time. Yes, sir. How I'm many? Happy to, I'm happy to say I got hundred percent on that project. Oh yeah. There you go, man. I, I don't know. My professor has yet to grade it from my understanding, but how many, how much time would you have saved if you easy, it would have been done in the project would have taken me probably no more than an hour, hour and a half. <laughs> and how, how long did you spend in total? I, I, I chunked it out, but it probably took me five, four hours. So it went from one hour to four hours due to just making sure that documentation, everything was actually in the manner that it was, I guess, designed to be. Yeah. I, and you know, I had to go, I, it has, there's a lot of content that's involved in this particular report and I could not be a single page over six, six pages. And that's everything in every title page as well. So, you know, I had to go back and cut out some of my information and it's hard to cut, you know, you, you, you take that. Remember when you took like freshman composition or whatever you called it. I don't know if you ever did that activity where you had to write a two page paper and then you had to cut down enough information to make it a one page. Oh, heck no. Oh yeah. We did that. That came in handy when I was doing that report the other day. Jeez. I would hate, I, you know, something that I absolutely hate doing is doing work that is then going to never be used. I know, Andrew, that this is something that you probably struggle with due to some of the things that you do. Um, I don't have to go into the weeds there, but that's just what I absolutely hate doing. And so I can't imagine doing an entire class that has a portion of it where you learn how to do that. Yeah. It's I respect a, it. You learn how to how to cut down on your right. It was great, man. It helped me out. Maybe that's the reason I got 100%. I don't remember my professor's name, though. I'm sorry to say. <laughs> it's all good. But in, in conclusion, reports, documentation, formatting, presentations, even the way that you present things as well, actually, um, those are all extremely important skills to have or skills to acquire beyond what you would normally think are skills that you would think an engineer needs, which can be oh yeah, I need to know how to do MATLAB. Oh, I need to be good at math or something like that, right? Like those are skills, you know, 
arguably you can be good or not good at them, but I think universally it's pretty important to be good at documentation, um, reporting things, formatting things correctly and presenting as well. Yeah, I agree. Mm -hmm. All right. Moving How many on. more do we got? We got one more. This is the last one. You want to right, introduce sure. this one? Um, yeah, I'm actually a really big believer in this. If, if I could have everybody do it, I would absolutely encourage it, especially in not just in engineering, but in other majors as well. But this is group studies. And by group studies, I mean, you guys getting together and studying and, and getting something productive done, right? And I think that is the best for learning in school. So do you think by group study and you say getting together and doing something productive is, do you mean like getting together and, you know, like talking about memes or laughing at, you know, <laughs> the current state of your, your education in, in times of, in terms of zoom and how, how different things are? I think, I think that has a place in group studying. Actually, I I'm a believer in that too. And, and Andrew's saying all this stuff and you're like, my, that sounds extremely particular. It's because we did this very recently. Um, I don't, I don't know how Andrew feels about it. I think he was enjoying it at the time because I was it, making memes. It was good. It was really good. We, we had a little, I, I wouldn't consider it a mental breakdown because uh -huh. we weren't like breaking at the seams, but we were close and our, our uh, saving grace was, you know, just cranking out a couple quality memes yeah, we're just and, and laughing around. about it. Yeah, we were joking around. So there's that too, right? I, I think the ability to be able to get together and I guess kind of break some break the ice, relax a little bit, but also having that group to also be dependent on for studying, right? Uh, and I think I'm a really big believer in this. I did this in junior college as well. And the it, it's a lot better to study in a group because yes, you may not, you may not get distracted if you have, you know, just you by yourself, but you could also get distracted nowadays. But also when you study in a group, I'm like doing such a poor job of presenting the pros and cons of this right now. I'm like everywhere right now. I can't tell if I should study on my own or study with a group, Johnny. What's going oh on? Oh my here? gosh. <laughs> oh no, I'm losing them. <laughs> so group setting is really, really good, at least for me. And this is what I'm a big believer in because I'm not an expert at everything. I'm it, in whichever, pro, like, whether it be, uh, you know, dynamics, you know, what are we doing right now? Thermo, high speed, right? I'm not going to know everything about all of those things. Certain things click with me better than other people, but there's certain things that click with other people better than me. Andrew is better at structures than I am. Those things click with him. And so what I did was I was like, hey, Andrew, a study. Can you tell me. <laughs> That's so true. It all is making sense now. Johnny and me actually met in structures and we never talked, but then one day he messaged me and he goes, Hey man, do you want to study for the test tomorrow? That was the last test that we took in person as well. That was over a year ago. Yeah. yeah so basically Craziness. I was like, I was like, Oh my gosh, Andrew is really good at structures. He seems to understand a lot of the stuff that I'm not quite understanding. I need to study with this guy. And I'm not endorsing using I so people. Used. I feel so used. But now Andrew does the same to me. So it's all good. You know, <laughs> it's all good. But, and we have a podcast together. So it's, a, it's like, hey, you make friends through it too. So that's another perk, right? But right. Th that's the idea behind it. You can, you can try to struggle and toil for hours trying to understand a concept, but somebody else might already have that idea down. 
and they could explain it to you in a way that makes sense within minutes in comparison, right? Yeah. And even if they, that person, like, let's say me and you are studying for something that we don't understand each individually, which is totally possible because, you know, there's some concepts that we really don't understand. Right. We have really good conversation about that concept and we kind of work through it in a really methodical way that I found that basically I don't have the, I, I don't know if I should say capacity or, or what it is to kind of methodically think through some of these things completely on my own. I feel like oftentimes I need to bounce ideas off of other people. Right, right. And, and by doing so, you also start introducing in a, a way to check as well. So, hey, Andrew, is it really true that gravity points this way? Or I don't know, right? The, the poor example here. But like, when I say like, I don't understand this aspect of it. Why is it like this? Is it because of this? And Andrew's like, no, that's not the case, because this is something that, you know, happens, right? So it's a means of double checking, where my thought process and what I'm saying out loud, does it actual actually make logical sense? Or is it something that I'm, I'm just making up some voodoo magic, right? And Andrew does the same thing as well. He, he asked me like, is this what's happening? Do you think this is what it is? And I'm like, no, that I don't think that's it because of this case, right? And so we're able to bounce these ideas off each other. And we're helping each other think. And also in doing so, I guess we keep each other on track and keep ourselves focused because we're continuing to talk and we're not really lapsing either. There's no pause. And so when you continue to talk and you continue to discuss, you continue to stay on topic, you're continuing to think of new ideas and it, it kind of helps the process out and go a little bit and expedites the process as opposed to just you doing it individually where you're like, you think about something and then you now you need to logically think, did that make sense? And then- I mean, you, you thought it up, so obviously it must make some sort of logical sense, right? And then you're like, no, but did I? does that really make... See, like, there's already laps there, but uh, when you have this sort of dialogue, it makes a lot more sense, and, you know, studying becomes a lot more enjoyable, I think. I agree. A good example is, you know, we studied for the past about eight weeks in uh, thermodynamics, and mm -hmm. it seemed that I had a better understanding in that class than you did, but now we're in heat transfer, and it seems like you actually have the upper hand in this class and you understand things conceptually a little bit more than me. So it works out. Right, right. So, it, you know, again, everyone's going to have something that they're good at and something that they're not so good at and a way for you guys to benefit from that kind of, I guess, uniqueness that everybody has is to get is, is to band together. And I know that this is a hard ask in current states in our world. But Andrew and I do this. We actually wake up. I think I've already said this before, but we wake up approximately around 5.45, 6. We've been letting loose a little bit as we get tired. I will admit. <laughs> week nine. The week yeah. nine drone. 6.30 to 7 is when we approximately start working now. But in doing so, we've, we, we stay really on top of our work. I think we usually tend to stay around a week ahead of um, our professors up at least and probably most students, I want to say. Yeah, I would agree. Um, I guess that's another, like, that's a whole nother truth, but I, I guess we could just quickly t touch on it. Cause you mentioned that it's kind of hard in these like times. Um, mm -hmm. People definitely underestimate the power of zoom and how studying on zoom is an effective tool. Mm -hmm. I, at first, initially when zoom happened and like we first went into lockdown mode, it was about a year ago today, I would say. Um, I didn't think that any effective studying could happen on zoom. But as you can see, we've pretty much adapted and overcame and our Zoom study sessions are pretty incredible. I would actually yeah. go as far as saying almost as good, if not equal 
into it to in-person study because mm-hmm. we have, you know, uh, a, a makeshift whiteboard, right? You have a whiteboard in your room that you can, mm-hmm. you use, or, you know, I have a thing that I could draw on and it works just as well. So it, engineering school truth, COVID edition, use zoom to study with your friends. If you yes. know, you're, you don't have somebody close to you that you could safely study with. Right. Yeah. It's it's something that not many people actually I, I, that I know personally that are big proponents of, and and we understand that there's limitation to learning um, with a professor or with a teacher or whatever it is through Zoom. However, when you guys want to study with each other, I think Zoom is the next best option than being in person and studying. And we even had another a friend of ours that we studied with on the occasion. Recently, he came on to Zoom with us, and he was like, "Wait, this is actually kind of fun." And he, we're we're opening eyes. We're inventing something new here, Andrew. We're inventors. We're creators. <laughs> you got a patent that? <laughs> yeah, I got a patent. Zoom study groups. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think uh, yeah. I mean, that's is Jackie. Jackie, shout out to you, man. Shout out, to Jackie. Yeah, come on, study with us some more. I know bro. you need to study. Need to. He, he keeps saying like, "Oh yeah, studying with you guys is fun. I want to do it more." And then we're like studying and he's like, eh. yeah, he's, he's, we're, we're still converting it, but hopefully we can convert a couple of you guys to get together and study together. Um, you know, it's a little bit more enjoyable. Here's another little study tip. Play some lo-fi in the background so that you guys don't just hear emptiness. Lo-fi is the way it's the engineering way. It's, I actually think it's going to be made a requirement that as an engineer, you have to like lo-fi to graduate. <laughs> For imagine. those of you that don't know what lo-fi is, it's like a really, really mellow, chill music and beats, and it is not going to be a requirement, but you should listen to it or ch- check it out. Just check it out. If you don't like it, it's fine. It, it helps you keep like, I don't know. Sometimes there's like this running joke and I know we're getting a little bit off tangent here. I apologize, but sometimes I'm not in the mood to study, even in a Zoom session. I would say it's a, a bit of a rarity. I don't know. Maybe Andrew, you could, th- you could say whether or not it is right. But sometimes Andrew gets discouraged by it. <laughs> and then and then we put on music and then I I I I change out of my clothes. You know, I'm at home, you know, I'm in my, my, my jammies and I change out of my clothes and I put on some contacts and I'm like, I'm in I'm in a better mood now. And then our setting session really takes a different course of yeah. action after that. You know, that's a really good episode idea. And if you guys want to hear this, send us an email. Because I, I never thought about it, like how to create effective study habits when like we're mm. in lockdown, yes. because it's a totally different environment. Right. And, and we've had both experiences about uh, being in person and now being in like this lockdown environment, but we make do with it. Um, and we do really well, I think, and we still learn really effectively. So if you guys want to hear that, I know, I know like we're hoping to be out of this lockdown pandemic relatively soon and we're hoping that next semester you know we get to return to class in in some form but you know there's no guarantee that that's going to happen so if you guys do want to hear that let us know right and and not only that but i think if you can study in a pandemic then i feel like you can i strongly believe you can study outside of a pandemic really effectively as well i agreed agreed you, you have to develop a lot of discipline to be able to study in your own home or wherever you're at so i agree that was good i like that all right, Johnny, yeah. we're done with our truths. I mean, there's plenty more truths. That's what we got for today. We don't want to keep you guys too long. But before we end the episode, I do want to ask you a question, Johnny. We don't have any questions from any viewers, but that's okay. But I have a question for you because Scary. people seem to like these questions. Uh-huh. So 
at what point in your college career, or if you have, did you feel like you, you had that moment where you said, ah, okay, now I know engineering is for me. You had that aha moment where you felt like maybe really proud of your work, or you, you felt like a really big contributor to, you know, maybe a project inside or outside the classroom. Mm -hmm. And you had that moment where you said, you know, I'm good at this, or you, you, you hope that you're good at this. You think you're good at it at, at that particular thing. And you hope others do too. Did you oh. have that moment? And when was it? Man, that's a, that's a really, so Andrew just threw this on me right now. This is all not scripted at all. Now I, I strongly, I, I had the strong conviction in my heart that from the moment I was like, I want to say in like high school at the earliest, it might even be dare I say junior high. I was like, I'm gonna be an engineer. Right. And so, um, I refused, like I refused to stray far from that path. And the question of which kind I was going to be, you know, that was up, up for debate. But I would want to say that I think, and this is not going to quite be on par with other people and how I think they might have come to that kind of eureka moment. But for me, it was oddly enough, I think someone was telling me that they were like, wow, Johnny, you're actually really good at studying. And I'm not trying to toot my own horn. This was still in junior, uh, not junior high. This was in, in junior college. And someone told me, and this is a friend of mine. She, she works for Northrop now, but she was like, hey, like I actually like studying with you because you, you actually get stuff done. Like when I study with you, it's different from other people. Um, I don't know. That, again, I, we encourage you guys to study with groups, but there's certain people that you should choose studying groups with, right? And being a person... I, I was basically, in, in, and this is getting a little bit deeper in, but I kind of grew up understanding that I, I, I could be smarter or if I worked harder, then I could succeed, but I never really did. And a lot of my teachers, I want to say, didn't really believe in me. A lot of them. There were a select few that did, and that's really you know what pushed me to where I am now. But I went from always thinking as like a, a younger student, um, up until I want to say junior college thinking like, man, I'm, a, I'm not like that good of a student. I need to work really hard to, you know, succeed. And then I finally got to that point where I was like, someone else was like, wait, like, I want to study with you because you're actually doing well. And I, I, maybe this isn't necessarily me thinking like, oh, maybe I can do this, but for, I, I uh, maybe I can be an engineer, but for me, that was confirmation that I can do STEM. I can be you know, I can pursue engineering. And then the other, I guess the next second gateway that I had to pass was getting my acceptance letter from Cal Poly Pomona. And I was like, wait, one of my biggest fears was like, what if none of the aerospace programs accept me? And then I got my acceptance from a couple of schools, but I was like, no, no, no. The one I want is Cal Poly Pomona. And then I got Cal Poly Pomona's aerospace engineering program acceptance letter. And I was like, oh shoot, it's going to happen. This yeah, is really, real. it's serious. It's, it, it's about to happen. Yeah. And then I was like, Oh my goodness. Like, and then I, I got it and I was like, Oh, okay. All right. I, I guess they, they believe in me. And if they believe in me, then I, I guess um, I, I could, I could be built for it. And that's kind of where it's at. So, yeah, I mean, I, Andrew, where, where does that lie for you? Cause I, actually we've never talked about this. So that's a really good question to bring up. You know, it's funny you say that yours happened at a different time. Cause yours happened at a really drastically different time than me so basically i i, I don't know if i've mentioned i i feel like i have at this point but i doubted myself pretty much all the way up until i would say this year you still in, do bro yeah i still do <laughs> i still do 
but it used to be where it's like, uh, you know, for me, getting my acceptance letter, letter to Cal Poly Pomona and the aerospace engineering department was a huge step, but I still always had that thought like, Hey, you know, it's, it's, these classes could still eat you up. Like mm-hmm. people drop when they're in statics, people drop when they're in dynamics, it's not right. too late for, you know, don't get big headed basically. And so I, that was always in the back of my mind. So that was all of last year, basically, because I was taking statics and dynamics and mm-hmm. a couple other classes that could easily, you know, trip you up. But it was, I didn't have that moment like, okay, I'm good at this until it, until this year. Um, it was actually last semester and it wasn't necessarily inside the class stuff. It was a lot of the stuff that I was doing in my projects. And, you know, you've mentioned it like before LRL and the other projects that I'm involved in. And I felt like I was really contributing really great work. And it, it, it yeah. wasn't right away. It wasn't like, it took me a couple of weeks to get my, my feet wet, I guess you could say. And then I, I t- got to take a look at like the, the prog, the, just the growth that I had in a couple of weeks in, in these classes and projects. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow, I grew so much just in these couple of weeks. And, and it was uh, basically one of my team members saying like, Hey, this is great work. And it was coming from somebody that produces amazing top tier work, I would say. Mm-hmm. And so co- that coming from him, it really meant a lot to me. And it was like, I was like, okay you know, you, you clearly have some type of knack for this. You're going to be okay in the future. You're going to do well. And, mm-hmm. and so that was, that was, that was late. That's a, very late. That's me as a junior. Right. Right. So for those of you that are out there that maybe haven't had that moment, you know, it still may be to come because for me, it came very late. So keep, you know, knocking down those pillars and, and working towards them. Right. Yeah. And I mean, it, it comes to say like, we still have our doubts sometimes. Absolutely. We absolutely. We're, we're always wondering like whether or not we'll make it. And there's this running joke that engineering students always have to say that they're engineering students or that they're already engineers, like, you know, in their head, like, yeah, I'm an aerospace engineer. Like, no, I'm an aerospace engineering student is like the correction I need to make sometimes. But, you know, it, it's a way of, I guess, psyching ourselves into continuing on with, um, dare I say this torture at times. <laughs> I'm kidding. No, it's enjoyable. It's enjoyable, but it, it definitely does hurt our, our mental at, at times. But yeah, it, we have our doubts. We definitely do. I agree, but it's, yeah. it's all going to be worth it. At least that's what we tell ourselves. Yeah, it's all going to be worth it. I, I, I'm a strong believer in it. I agree. But, I agree. Yeah, but that, that about wraps, wraps up our podcast for today right that's it that's that's this episode seven i don't know man it's all becoming a blur (laughs) all right guys that's it if you have questions if you want to hear more about our study habits whatever it is send us an email at aeroholics anonymous podcast at gmail.com follow our ig at aeroholics anonymous um we're getting to that point johnny we're gonna have a guest pretty soon and we're hoping to have a really special episode coming up, coming up. Maybe if things work out for us in the coming week, we'll see. Oh yeah. We'll see. Things are up in the air, but we're going to have guests on pretty soon. So guys, stay tuned for that. We're really excited and we hope you are too. Yes, sir. Johnny, why don't you send us out? All right. I hope you guys enjoyed this until next time. We out. Later guys. <laughs>